Good morrow, peasants, and welcome to the final episode of Chivalry, Schmibbly, Breaking Down Broken Systems with Lady Isabella, the podcast dedicated to helping its listeners escape the maze that is the chivalric institution. I am, of course, your host, Lady Isabella, curious about Morgan Le Fay, could care more about Mordred. Today, we're no longer getting trapped by chivalry. Mm-mm. We are breaking free. And there's no better work to look at than the one that had me thinking. Maybe these characters can be somewhat happy now? Maybe. That's right. We're taking a look at The Fall of Arthur by J.R.R. Tolkien. And for the last time, allow me to give you a little insight on our author. J.R.R. Tolkien was an English writer and poet best known for his high fantasy series, The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings, which led to a revival of the high fantasy genre. Queen Elizabeth II appointed him a commander of the Order of the British Empire, and he once produced an edition of Sir Gawain and the Green Knight a story that follows the journeys of one of King Arthur's knights. Now, this is relevant to me, since it's one of the books I read in my Arthurian literature class, and it made me notice some of the flaws within the system, and I'm just excited to find out he did that. The story covers the fall of Camelot. After discovering Lancelot and Guinevere's affair, and Lancelot being accused of treason, the Knights of the Round Table fall due to infighting, and Arthur and Lancelot go to battle with each other. Mordred, Arthur's son or nephew, depending on the story, takes this as an opportunity to take over Arthur's kingdom, which he successfully does, and he forcibly marries Guinevere in the process. The story recounts the battles between Mordred and Arthur and Arthur and Lancelot, as he eventually dies at the hand of Mordred's sword, and his kingdom falls with him. Today we'll just be taking at two pages of the story. The first page recounts Guinevere fleeing from the kingdom after being trapped by Mordred and being chased by the knights for her adultery that she committed. Tolkien recounts Guinevere's thoughts her epic days as queen, her longing for Lancelot. Normally, in Arthurian tale, Guinevere either repents and quietly goes away to a nunnery, or she's declared an evil mistress and isn't really heard of again. But Tolkien writes, Then from ruin, haply where gladness rested, Guinevere the fair, Not Mordred only should master chance and the tides of time turn to her purpose. This is a powerful final sentence for Guinevere. She's never gotten such a powerful sentence before. Tolkien paints her as if she's finally free, finally ready to master her destiny, to come into her own. Even as she runs away, she's fierce, She's brave, she's strong, 
I'd never read such a powerful sentence in regards to Guinevere's final moments. It was as if that now that she'd gotten away from the kingdom, gone away from its people, now that she'd broken free of everything that it put her through, she finally had a chance to be happy, to be free, to be her own person. The kingdom of Camelot couldn't suffocate her anymore. Not Arthur, not Mordred, not her unfortunate, tragic love for Lancelot. Guinevere escaped, and she was finally free. We find Lancelot in a similar but more tragic position. He's watching the sun rise, looking out across the water, and contemplating how he knows his life is about to end. The tides of chance had turned backward. Their flood was past, flowing swiftly. Death was before him, and his day, setting beyond the tides of time to return never among waking men, while the world lasted. Lancelot is saying goodbye. It's not clear what he's saying goodbye to. Maybe he knows he's about to die in battle. Maybe he's contemplating exile or jumping off into this water. We don't see him again for the rest of the story. Although he is sad, he seems content. He seems okay. He's sitting serenely in nature, no longer under the stress of betraying his friend, not getting to be with his love. He's saying goodbye to the kingdom that imprisoned him, the kingdom that left him and everyone he loved so unhappy. And while it is sad, and while he isn't with Guinevere, he is okay. This is another example of an ending for Lancelot I'd never seen before. One without battle, one without running off, just him calmly reflecting, finally receiving peace. The poem is left unfinished, but something that we can look at is the title. A similar book is called The Death of Arthur, but Tolkien names it The Fall of Arthur. I think this is an interesting choice. Arthur isn't simply taken out of this world in a great grand battle by those who betrayed him. He's fallen. His kingdom has fallen. Everything he tried to work for, everything he wanted to accomplish, it failed. It couldn't work, no matter how badly he wanted it to. But even though he's fallen, Arthur now too is free. I thought this would be the perfect story to end on because while it is short and sad and unfinished, it's hopeful, it's nice, it's kind to the characters. These characters who gave so much of themselves to this system Arthur gave all of his time, all of his love, 
he held that heavy crown on his head. Lancelot sacrificed his friendships, his honor, his love. Guinevere spent so much time being neglected by the system, by her husband, by his knights. She wasn't properly cared for, but now she can care for herself. Now, Lancelot no longer has to be burdened with his dishonor, and Arthur no longer has to be burdened with the crown. One has to wonder, should it be so relieving to die, to be chased out of town? Should it feel that good when a system is supposed to lead you to greatness, to happiness, to becoming your true, perfect self? Probably not, but we've seen this time and again. Chivalry cannot uphold its promises. It isn't a great system. It doesn't lead to honor and glory. It doesn't properly take care of women. Chivalry was just an attempt to make some violent knights slightly more polite, slightly less violent, which it only accomplished that so well, too. If we even bothered to take a look at some of Thomas Mallory's work and all of the battles and blood and fighting and tournaments and randomly seeing someone on the street and deciding to challenge them to a fight, we would get a pretty good idea that things were still pretty violent in the land. So, what did chivalry accomplish? It didn't bring love to the people within its system. It didn't create an epic empire built on its ideals because that empire fell. It didn't stop violence. It didn't really protect women. Chivalry, at the end of the day, is just a complex, convoluted, confusing system that essentially is just like, hey, use your manners. It's not a system that should be idealized. It's not a system that should be used to justify insane acts of violence or treachery or outlandish ideals. Because, one, how did the people who were followers of the chivalric ideals even fully understand what they were following? And two, they were just people who decided on a code, decided to try and follow it. Some of them failed, some of them didn't, but it was mostly for themselves. They weren't really helping anybody else. So, the next time someone says, chivalry is dead, ask yourself whether or not that sounds like such a terrible thing. Maybe even say, chivalry? Schmivalry. This is Lady Isabella signing off.